Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Small Council Radio. This is a show where we talk about just about anything and everything, A Song of Ice and Fire by Simon, the, the miniature game. And tonight we will be talking about the Ohio tournament that happened over the weekend. Uh, tonight we have with us Brett, as well as first and second, or sorry, first, second, and third place. Um, uh, for that event, I believe uh, there was a total of 20 participants. Uh, is that correct, Brett? Yes, that's correct. 20 participants. Awesome. And then we also have all the stats pulled up. Uh, tonight we're going to be going over uh, a little bit of all of their lists and uh, kind of talking about uh, you know what they kind of faced uh, throughout the day. And um, pointing out maybe some of the you know some of the stats that we might not have been expecting because uh, there's definitely uh, some on here that uh, I never would have guessed. Um, for those that want to kind of follow along, uh, if you go to a song of ice and fire stats.com, you can uh, create a profile, go to tournament uh, tournaments, go under winter is coming. Uh, should be in the completed section of tournaments, and it'll show you a huge uh, graph of all the different like stats between uh, um, commanders, factions, and kind of the percentage win loss percentage and all that good stuff. So definitely go check that out uh, if you want to kind of follow along, and you can even check out other tournaments to kind of see how things are tracking, and you can kind of look at all the factions and uh, commanders on a whole uh, to see how they've been doing. Uh, you know, based on everyone's uh, input. So uh, tonight, like I said, we have with us first place, which was uh, our host, Brett, and we also have on second and third place. Uh, thank you guys for coming on tonight. And uh, Brett, because you, because you, uh, you know, uh, had the chance to meet these guys in person, I'm going to let you introduce them for us. Oh, sure, of course. Um, so the second place winner, um, this is a gentleman I actually faced in Indy, which um not going to go too much back into what happened at that Indy tournament, but just for the record, um, this is Murray. Uh, he is from Ohio, and he gave me a hell of a game in the first round of the Indy tournament. Um, actually, for that matter, um, the only reason that – I even made it as far as I did because Murray was in a position to beat me <laughs> just because I spent Tywin on his bear, <laughs> which is ridiculous, but I spent Tywin's range of Castamir to shut off a bear, a free unit. And, but it was a big moment because he had set up a rear charge uh, using Harma's order and some really, really clever maneuvering to work his way behind my knights that were holding on to the center token. And if I hadn't shut off the bear, he would have been able to use Harma's order and take four attacks with no saves and then a minus four panic test. So it would have been really bad for me. But uh, Murray gave me a great game, and he had a hell of a showing here in Ohio as well. Um, so, Murray, if you want to go ahead and just real quick tell us how you got into A Song of Ice and Fire, any games that you played before, how long you've been playing, and what's drawn you into this game. Oh, well, uh, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I've uh, been playing Song of Ice to Fire for 
since since the Night's Watch starter uh, came out, uh, the show I got into the show uh, Game of Thrones and uh, hadn't really read the books, but since then, since playing the game, started reading the books, and uh, I've uh, been wanting to get into war gaming. Haven't really made the dive, and then saw that this was a less expensive uh, hobby than like Warhammer and other games like that. Um, so that was this was the gateway drug into wargaming, which since then I've started playing 40k. So didn't exactly save me <laughs> from wasting a bunch of money. <laughs> so. Okay, fantastic. So let's see the Nightwatch starter. That was Adepticon of 2019, like roughly before that. So you've been playing, oh, you're coming up on two years playing the game. Is that about right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Nice. Okay. And then uh, additionally, we've got Joe, who uh, you, he came all the way from Rochester, New York. And he uh, actually placed third with a Stark list. And he's brought with him his son, Gavin, who um, is 12 years old, and he was very much in the thick of the competition. And all of the feedback that I received and from talking to him, uh, yeah, people have to watch out because he's, he's really good at the game. And he had a very good chance to finish in the top five. He, he actually um, – well, I'll let him tell you about it when he gets there, but – this is Joe and Gavin. So uh, we'll start with you, Joe. How long have uh, how long have you played? What got you into the game? And do you have any other wargaming experience? Having a little. Can you guys hear me? Hearing you, so. I can hear you now. Can you hear me now? Okay. Uh, yeah. I had to take you off a speaker, so I'll have to give Gavin the phone when uh, when it's his turn. Um, I've never, I haven't played any war games before this. Um, I, I was into board games for a little bit. Um, after our first child, uh, which was Gavin, um, we're stuck at home a little bit more, and that's kind of when we got into board games around here. And uh, one time I was at our, our local shop, which is Millennium Games in Rochester. It's awesome. It's huge. Uh, people there are great. And I saw that they had the Kickstarter for this, uh, for the Game of Thrones. They had an extra uh, Hand of the King. And I was with my, my daughter at the time and uh, said, oh, should I get this? It's, it's really expensive. I mean, it really, it's not expensive for a war game. But uh, at the time, you know, it was, I think it was $175 or something, which seemed like a lot. And she's like, well, it looks like a really good deal. And you really like that, you know, those books in that show. And so I got it. Um, and it's a little bit more complex than uh, the type of stuff that we were playing around here before that. Uh, so I would kind of talk friends into it every once in a while playing and uh, I played a couple games against myself to see how things work uh, Gavin kind of watched me doing that and he says well how do you play that and so I showed him and uh, then you know we, we just started playing it so um, I guess I was there right from the beginning but it was we weren't real serious about it for a while um, as far as my background in war games you know, this, would, this would be it and um, this tournament that we were at, this was uh, this was only my second tournament, um, and it was Gavin's first. Well, we're we're definitely happy that you made the trip. I mean, you made you guys made a heck of a trip to come out there, and it was uh, it was definitely very good to meet you in person and meet him and have some conversations with you. Um, 
overall the tournament was, you know, as you expect from a song of ice and fire, I've said it many times before this community is something entirely different. Everybody's super friendly. It seems just really relaxed compared to some of the other war gaming tournaments that you have. There's obviously a high level of competition. You know, people want to win, people play to win, but just this community is just something really special. And so, but, uh, outside of what you would expect from that event, um, seems like everybody had pretty good things to say about you two. So pretty cool. Um, definitely. We were glad to have you guys join. So, um, and then what, what about you, Gavin? Just, uh, just been playing with your dad and, uh, it seems like you've got a, a pretty good mentor. Uh, you were, you were playing with some pretty heavy hitters there and you, you managed to do pretty well. Are you still there? Yeah. I hear something yeah, you in the might background, have... but yeah, I, I heard him say, "Yeah, he might have to speak up a little bit because it's really hard to hear." Um. I got into it basically when um, my dad started getting into it. He pretty much just showed me the game, and I didn't get into it for a little bit. Then I got into it. My first time was probably about Lannister, and then I made a really nice one with the mountain that rides. And then for my birthday, I got the um, Night's Watch. So then I got into that, and I basically have been playing that ever since. Very good. Yeah, Night's Watch, they're, they're, there's something that's just really appealing about that army. Obviously, they are, no secret, they're my favorite army. Um, just a really good-looking army, really good sculpts, and I just love love the play style. So uh, definitely definitely a good choice for you to, to get involved with them. Um, they, you, yeah, uh, they've been strong since they came out. Did you? Uh, Go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. When did you say you started? Did you start uh, like Adepticon? Is that when you said you got your uh, Night's Watch starter? That's when you got your Night's Watch. Um, I got my Night's Watch set at my birthday, my 12th birthday. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, Night's Watch is definitely a great uh, faction to start up. Gets you, I think. Uh, out of any uh, starter, I think it gives you, like, the most bang for your buck. I think it's definitely the best starter uh, of them all. Yeah, I, I so think it would be hard to argue. So before we jump no, into everyone's lists and, like, what, what they kind of face throughout the day, uh, I wanted to just kind of point out some stats uh, for the day. So we did have 20 total players. Um by faction, we had five Stark, five Night's Watch, three, uh, four Baratheons, three Lannisters, two Free Folk, one Neutral, and zero Targaryen. Um, <clears throat> of those uh, lists, we had the top commanders were five Offal uh, Yarwick, four Holland Reed. So of... Um, of the 10 lists between Night's Watch and Stark, all but one of them had their NCU commander. Uh, 
and then of the three, uh, or of the five Night's Watch, the other commander was John. So three of the five Night's Watch uh, um, players chose Athel and John as their two commanders, which I can't blame um, if I were to rank uh, the Night's Watch commanders, I would put them at the top. Not to say that the other commanders aren't great. I think they're amazing. Uh, personally, my favorite is Jor. And uh, and then, you know, Alistair and uh, um, Donald Noy are both amazing as well. But I feel like the NCU, um, the free NCU from Othel plus his cards just gives uh, Night's Watch that extra activation that they're kind of needing. And then, again, John, even, he does the same thing. He gives you that extra activation that they're needing with, you know, providing arguably the strongest, uh, you know, commander plus three cards in the game. Um, then next up we had uh, Lannisters uh, for the next three spots, which had two Gregor, two Tyrion, and two High Sparrow. Um, so that means uh, there is either, there is a combination of, because uh, there was only three uh, Lannister players, so they all had a combination of those three um, commanders. So there was no other commanders for Lannisters used. So that's uh, kind of the breakdown between factions and commanders. And then uh, one thing I have to note, just because uh, I just got to do it, I know it's only two games, but of the two games that uh, Blackfish played, he won both of them. So as you guys, some of you have been listening uh, to the show a bit, you know that I'm a huge Blackfish fan. And to see that uh, someone brought him in, uh, let's see, if he was only brought once or twice. Uh, looks like he was brought I think it twice. Was Joe. I think it was Joe that was running Blackfish. Yeah, he looks like he was brought twice, but I would, uh, it would be, I'm not uh, the stats guru as uh, Carlo is, but I would be curious to see if it was by the same player or two different players that played him uh, each once or uh, if he chose to play him twice in four rounds. But either way, two times he was seen, he did win. Um, it would also be cool to see what faction and mission they played, but regardless, a win is a win, and uh, it, it's only there to improve uh, Blackfish's stats. And, uh, you know, I'm always for that because I think uh, people kind of undervalue him. Um because, you know, when you look at the Starks, they have so many strong tools that it's uh, he can be overshadowed because you got so much potential in that faction. Uh, so just one thing I kind of wanted to point out. And then um, as far as the faction win rate breakdown, we had uh, Starks at top with a 67% uh, win ratio, twelve of the, uh, eight wins of 12 total. Um Let's see. But one thing I am super surprised about is uh, Free Folk was at 25% win rate. Uh, so I believe Free Folk are still rated number two faction overall in stats uh, on the stats page. So to see that they only had a 25% win rate, I'm surprised. Um, I mean, it could have been really tough matchups. I know all four missions uh, rewarded field commanders uh, is just kind of how the draw happened. And uh, 
I don't know if that might have been a factor. Uh, hard to say. Brett, can are you able to kind of um, shed any light on maybe uh, why that was? Maybe they had an uphill battle or something? Um, I know for sure that uh, Murray was running Melisandre. Um, in missions that uh, favor field commanders, as you mentioned, Melisandre can be a menace. Um, no, uh, freefold commanders going in cave dweller savages isn't something that a lot of people do. Um, that's a debate for another day. I believe that that's where I would put my freefold commander because of Cersei and Melisandre. But with that said, um, I'm not sure if it was entirely Melisandre, maybe a little bit of Cersei as well, but I think I just think a lot of it is that um, due to some of these battle reports and people just kind of seeing how things happen, I think a, a lot of people for the most part are, are preparing for that uh, panic kind of meta that you see from Melisandre, the Free Folk, and the Lannisters in particular. But just in general, people have equipped themselves to be able to deal with um, dealing with, with heavy panic damage. And if you take some of the ability for free folk to panic you away, then you find that they, they're, even with Steyr, they're still a little bit underwhelming if they can't push through the panic damage. So I'm guessing that that could be a factor. It could be the matchup. I'm not entirely sure who, who all face to. I know Adam uh, is a free folk player. Uh, Adam, I think his name's Roark is how you say it. Uh, and, and he's a strong player, so um, he could have just had some bad matches. I, I can't say for sure without looking at the site, but I can go have a look while we, uh, if you want to um, interview the other two and, and kind of get into their list, what they brought, what they faced, and, and some trends that they saw, I can go look a little bit more into the matches that the Free Folk had. Yeah, that works for me. Uh, so, uh, we'll start with uh, Murray. So, could you kind of go over what you, what faction you played, and what your counter lists were? Yeah, sure. Um, I uh, decided to switch to Baratheon for this tournament. Um, just uh, wanted to go with something that didn't immediately melt when I got hit by something, like ra- um, unlike Raiders. So, I ran a Courtney uh, Penrose list at a. Uh, Two uh, Rose Knights, Cutthroat, um, a Flaidman, a Warden, and then, of course, you have uh, Courtney, Eldon, and Peter for my NCAs. And then I, ha- I ran a more aggressive uh, Ramsey list or with uh, Ramsey sitting in some Rolor Faithful uh, with Reek, uh, Bastards Girls with the Red Priestess, of course. Kind of abuse that. Um, Slademen, uh, Wardens, uh, Axel, Shira, and Mel to light some people on fire with all those tokens that uh, you can get out with uh, Ramsey's cards and the Bastard's Skills. Nice. So it sounds like you went more of uh, the elite, uh, more of like a tough. Uh, you know, units route uh, with the, especially with the uh, Ramsey list, having that. Uh, you know, the faithful are sort of a glass cannon. I mean, their their uh, morale is so high that I mean, it still adds to their defense. But um, that's kind of the same way with the Bastards girls. 
Uh, so it's not too bad there, but they have a lot of offensive uh, potential, especially with the um, uh, Ramsey and the Priestess uh, adding to their strength. And then just the Flade men. I mean, Flade men, I feel, are still, uh, they need to be just slightly bumped, but they definitely have their place, especially in a uh, Stannis loyalty uh um, list with you know with Mel uh, being able to I'm assuming you either went with uh, Bastos girls or the wardens when necessary to kind of take some wounds off to um, zap some people uh, just because the Bastos girls don't degrade and the wardens are just your kind of five point uh, chaff uh, you know sit on objective. Yeah, I uh, I definitely burned. Um... Some bastard rules, and then also I actually uh, hit uh, Rolor a little bit when uh, they weren't super integral with my offensive plan to deal some uh, wounds and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I, I generally left the wardens alone because of the how quickly they degrade um, with their attack profile. Um, you start melting off, uh, you know two Mel's off of them and the next thing you know they're throwing five dice and then they get hit and they die from panic. Yeah, I've I've uh, only gotten to play with Relore, uh Faithful a couple times and I absolutely love them. I actually have three uh, units of them. Uh, one fully painted and two that are uh, on their way. But um, yeah, Relore Faithful are definitely something to uh, fear, especially when combined with a solid uh, either like commander or um, even the red priestess. So uh, I could definitely see how, you know, this list uh, could definitely, you know, pack a punch if your opponent's not ready for it. Uh, How many times did you use each list? So I took uh, Courtney in my first round. Um, and then I took Ramsey the last three. Um, Ramsey actually carried me for the tournament. I won three three of uh, three with Ramsey. And Courtney, I uh, lost with him. But also it might be that I was playing a really good player and uh, Bill uh, bringing his neutrals. Uh, Brett warned me about him when he saw my matchup. And uh, he, he kicked my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's surprising uh, not uh, to say anything to Bill's uh, talent or his list, but Rose Knights are hard uh, not to crack. So the fact that you have two of them, with a, even with a Warden and a Flameman, I mean, that's, you know, that's uh, something that is not easily done. Um, now, was it more of a, you know, whooped your butt uh, uh, on the field, like, beating up your men or just was able to capture like uh, objectives uh, a bit faster than you. So uh, that, that uh, round was uh, here we stand and uh, I'll, I'll fully admit that I uh, wasn't fully aware with the, of the new rules where um, you could actually, it's one point for each quadrant, not more on your opponent's side. So I played, way more aggressive to try to capitalize on getting some of those points, um, thinking that I could take the other side of the table. And that ultimately played into um, Bill being more cautious, waiting for him to, for me to come to him, and then hit me hard. And um, I just 
made some misplays. Um, it was my worst game that I played. Generally, I start out too aggressive, and when I play too aggressively, um, typically the better player, better players make me pay. And then from then on, I played um, more more strategically and was able to pick when I could make those attacks, uh, baiting out some attacks for counter charges. And I actually didn't draw a single counter charge uh, last stand. I think I drew one as ours is a fury uh, during that game with Bill. So I uh, and he also took the letter from me a lot, so I couldn't get much card draw. Yeah, the uh, Here We Stand is an amazing mission, but it's one of those ones that even before the change, if you didn't play it enough, it was it's hard to get into the groove of, you know, quadrants. Uh, especially, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've, I think I've lost my wife now. I'm 0-3 against her in that mission because I just, I overestimate where my uh, units are placed. And uh, it's one of those missions that you definitely want to do a lot of pre-measuring to see where your units are sitting, like what quadrants, because a lot of times it's like they're right on the line. I mean, the action is happening right at the, you know, where the lines uh, where the quadrants uh, are intersecting. So you want to, you know, in that mission in particular, constantly pre-measure to see where things are sitting and to make it clear to your opponent what your intention is or where, what quadrant they are in. Because sometimes they can be so close, like 50-50, and you definitely don't want that decision going to your opponent. Because I believe that uh, if it if it is 50-50, your opponent gets to decide what quadrant. Uh, though I do like that they added that uh, commanders do give three additional uh, points uh, wherever they uh, are placed. Um, so that's definitely nice. Uh, it gives a little uh, bonus to the NCU commanders. Did you ever find yourself using your NCUs uh, in that way? Oh, I, I was playing so far behind on things that for that game mode that I, uh, by the time I would be like, okay, I need to throw down, you know, Courtney in the zone or something like that. There wasn't a zone, like a part of the board, like the tactics board to take and say, all right, they're going to go into this quadrant. I think that's part of the rules or something like that where you have to have an open zone to take or something? Uh, I don't think they have to have an open zone. I think you just can forego at, like activating them normally to put them on the field, but only one can be in each quadrant. Um, so, yeah, Penrose, uh, though he normally costs, or because he's a commander and costs zero, he would count as three points if you placed him somewhere. But I know that's it's, it's a tough decision to make because not getting a spot on the tactics board is a pretty big deal. Um, so it's it's very situational. Um, I know when the, very, the first two games I played, I didn't use that ability once because you're just kind of not used to it. You know, it, it's kind of in the back of your mind, and um, you tend to, like, not think about it. So uh, run me through uh, – uh, I know you kind of already talked about uh, your first game a little bit, if you want to recap it and then mm -hmm. kind of go on with uh, your um, second, uh, third, and fourth round for us. Uh, so first round, 
uh, just uh, play, played pretty poor just overall as far, as far as against Bill. Um, just uh, being way too aggressive, overextending. Um, Bill also shut down my uh, Flademan's abilities uh, uh, with uh, Roos's uh, card when they're panicked, and I just completely did completely forgot to use the counterplot that was in my hand. Um, uh, so I got a charge off and didn't get vicious or, or uh, panicked. And, um, I'll, I, I don't have a lot to say about that game other than just uh, Bill outplayed me pretty much all around. Just uh, It was one of my – it was a pretty bad game. Um, I will, he's a uh, very good player. Yeah, I was going to say, if I can interject really quickly, I know you mentioned that uh, I kind of gave you a warning before the game, and uh, we won't we won't keep any secrets about it. I just kind of pulled you off to the side, and I was like, yeah, I know this. I know he's playing neutral, but don't don't sleep on Bill. So just for everybody who's listening, we're talking about ORJ Bill. So um, he's kind of known in the TTS community. He's just a very good neutral player, and he's a neutral player to the core, and he is uh, one of the best. Um, I know Justin is is actually a really good neutral player, the normal host, and then Chris uh, Chris Tran Bolton Skincare is a great neutral player, and then and then Bill's right there. Uh, I mean, it, it's tough to call it between the three of those because I, I've seen them all play, and if you understand the neutral deck that army can be devastating. And, and Bill is just one of those guys. He just knows how to work that deck. He knows his army. He knows what he can get away with. He knows when things need to die. He knows when he can recover from it. So <laughs> just definitely, I, I feel where you're coming from, but Bill is a phenomenal <laughs> player. And he's also a very, he's a very funny guy. And I'll just say, I didn't, when I saw him and, and kind of put the, the face to his name and what I, his voice, I was pretty surprised. <laughs> Bill is, he's just, yeah, I, I had a great dinner with him afterwards. I can't say enough good things about Bill. Big fan, big fan of ORJ Bill. Yeah, he, uh, he played great and nothing but smiles and going, well, you got me, man. You got me good. So, um, uh, my second game, I played, uh, Calvin. Um, uh, he actually is a local player in Dayton where we're from. And, uh, uh, he uh, he brought a Gregor list, um, and uh, I actually chose to bring uh, Ramsey for this one. Uh, so I could uh, use Mel, uh, take advantage of um, Lannister's pretty poor morale, um, particularly to try to light on fire uh, those uh, knights, knights of Castle Rock, because. Um, I don't want to go actually going attacking them with uh, Linus of Supremacy. So my strategy was just uh, um, basically burn burn them up and uh, with Mel and try to hop on that. Uh, this was Dance with Dragons was the game mode and try to hop on that uh, NCU um, turn off so that way he couldn't do that. But it just so happens the way it the way it played out. Um, I was able to he was he didn't actually take it right away and I was able to get two mill shots off before he took it with uh uh Gregor. Um Gregor was sitting in some uh uh Warrior Sons 
and then I was able to then uh, charge them with uh, my flayed men and then tie up Gregor pretty much for the rest of the game until I was able to take him out. And uh, I was able to uh, uh, table him uh, by, I want to say, like the uh, let's say third or fourth round. I can't remember. It was either late third or early fourth. But um, uh, Calvin's a fun guy to play with. Just uh, so happened that he got some bad uh, dice rolls on his panic with uh, Mel, and then I was able to get uh, um, Axel on there with a weakened token, and he had no way to get rid of that token, and I was able to, when he activated the knights, to, to snipe him off with Axel. So it was a pretty fun game. Um my third game, I played another guy that actually drove up with me, uh, Jason Gilmore. Uh, he, uh, uh, we were playing Fire and Blood. Um, he, I brought an Othel list where he had uh, Attachment John and Sworn Brothers, uh, Attachment Dario and Sworn Brothers, Crossbows and Trackers. And uh, I can't remember what his NCUs were, but I want to say they're uh, Othel... Um, Corin and uh, I think Eamon. and uh, I was I actually funny thing is we uh, when we came into town the other night um, uh, for the tournament we were able to play a quick game at the store that night and we actually played these exact same lists in Fire and Blood and uh, I was able to unfortunately figure out what he was going to do in this game mode and. Uh, um, take it to him, and uh, I I went pretty uh, pretty aggressive on him. Waited for him to overextend a little bit, and then punched him hard with uh, flayed men and bastard girls. And um, uh, Ramsey was able to do some work too in that game. Uh, and then the last game was uh, uh, against uh, Gary, a local guy from uh, Gamers Haven. Uh, it was a mere matchup um, of uh, Brathians for Feast of Crows. Uh, Feast for Crows. I took Ramsey again and uh, was able to actually, basically, I just took one side of the board, um, one side where one of, where the corpse saw was, and just let him have the other side and made it where um, his slower stuff like Rose Knights, where he deployed them. Uh, I deployed on the other side, deployed on the other side, so I could take on his more squishier things like um, uh, cutthroats, gang up on his um, uh, flayed men, and then just had him kind of come towards me and was able to choose some uh, good times to do some counter charges, um, and then uh, uh, also some uh, uh, cruel methods. Cruel methods is such a good car card, a good combo. Um, with uh, the Bastards girls to punch right in. And especially if you have uh, first player the next round, I was able to uh, do a pretty hard swing and take out um, his cutthroats and then start working on his uh, finishing off his blade men uh, leading into the next round. Uh, and uh, it came down to just, uh, like, trying to get those uh, this extra Mel just more time you can have with activating Mel, burning burning guys up, um, 
it just led to my advantage. She's just such a powerful NCU, um, especially when you throw in, like, with, uh, um, uh, what is it, uh, uh, the Ramsey card that throws out two tokens or does automatic hits, and most people are taking the tokens. Um, uh, just uh, just a overall nasty list for uh, Feast for Crows. It was a great – I had a great time playing against Gary. I, I would probably say that's the most fun game and lighthearted game that we had. We just had a blast the whole time. Um uh, great, great guy. I would love to play against him again. Just had a great attitude the whole time. Uh, very cheerful dude. Nice. Uh, so uh, in regards to your list, uh, I just had a couple questions before we move on. Um, so would you say overall, especially only having four combat units, uh, was uh, do you um, – suggest uh melt uh other people or do you think maybe she was a little too pricey for what she did or how would you kind of rate mel especially with only four units and not a lot to like sacrifice yeah I, <laughs> going from uh uh playing in the la- the indie tournament uh with a uh, raider spam and uh uh bears to a four four combat activation list is uh quite a big difference. Uh, but having Mel being able to be almost like a guaranteed attack, if you can get to- panic tokens out to help assist guaranteeing her um, ability will actually be wounds, but nothing sucks more than burning three dudes off your, off one of your units and then having them pants, uh, pass a panic test with, uh, you know, you know, box cars or something like that. Or, um, uh, an auto so pass like, card. <laughs> oh yeah, actually that was very unfortunate. Fortunate <laughs> to not go up against like anybody that had auto pass cards. It would have been uh, way way rough. And so I'm um, thankful for that. Um, but I, she is a heavy investment. But I mean, there's just too many uh, pros I see for her. But I mean, like as soon as when you get into a meta that is super, super activation heavy. I mean, I imagine if I played some Starks or um, Free Folk, I'd probably feel differently, you know. So I, I played Neutral, uh, which I think he had eight activations. Um, Lannister, I want to say he had seven. Uh, Night's Watch, I think, had seven. Uh, wait, or, uh, yeah, seven. And then I think uh, Gary had eight, I want to say. So I didn't play anything that was breaching into like the nine tens and stuff like that. So I think I was pretty fortunate with those matchups. Yeah. And I think seven is a solid uh, number for activations and Mel herself is just, you know, the fear factor, even, you know, regardless of what she does on the field, uh, I think just seeing her in a list, uh, you know, provides a level of, you know, like, the opponent can't take her for granted. They're going to have to deal with her because uh, you always have to prepare for the worst. And the worst being, you know, you're rolling max uh, and doing seven wounds every time she takes a spot uh, on the board. And, you know, you can't really survive, you know, seven times 
six rounds worth of wounds to your stuff, especially when you have flayed men, you know, charging into you. If Mel can soften up a unit, you know, seven wounds, even six, and the flayed men, you know, the flayed men can just mop them up. I mean, not to mention the other, your other units could mop them up too, but the flayed men with their, you know, with their range. Um, and then my last question before we move on, uh, how did, I know you only used the list once, but uh, could you kind of run us through the idea of why you decided to go with uh, Peter Baelish as one of your three NCUs? Well, um, actually, uh, Brett was the one that was saying you should run uh, Peter because the flexibility of being able to take um, whatever you need on the board for um, uh, for your cards and then being able to choose whatever action you need if you play them early. So um, it was a it was a good good idea and a good pick by Brett uh, to suggest that. Um, just. I mean, like healing, sure, that'd be really good with taking Tycho um, with those Rhodes Knights, but fortunately you can't, you know, the Rhodes Knights ability doesn't stack for each one they heal. So, um, I mean, you could take uh, Varus, but I don't know about you guys with your rolls with Varus. I, I seem to roll a lot of ones and twos with them. So, <laughs> um, I mean, Peter, Peter, if you take if you take the board early with them, you can, you can go and uh, – Take take the crown and and uh, draw extra le- uh, extra cards. Uh, you could take um, uh, the letter to guarantee for some of those um, uh, Courtney uh, cards, and then get an extra attack off, and uh, or even take take this you know take the swords, but you know from your opponent or something for if you have some of the, some range units, they're going to get some shots off, and then replace it. Is you know Peter's just a great all around. I mean uh, neutral players, I guess know that most of all how good he is yeah i agree i uh i absolutely love uh running peter um i think i've mentioned it once uh on the show previously but one of my favorite combos is just running peter with alistair uh and shira uh because you're unless they have some way to shut off your ncu or uh Maybe they have Alistair of their own, but there's very few counters to it. If you run Alistair and Peter, you can guarantee yourself any spot on the board five rounds out of the game. And a lot of times five rounds is all you do. And you might not even need it first round. So let's say uh, you want the letter every single round for the Baratheon keyword. You can make sure you have it five rounds out of the out of the game. So it's definitely a, a combo I suggest uh, anyone listening to to give a give a whirl to. Um, I like combining with uh, lists with like four Stormcrow lieutenant attachments because uh, wardens with a plus one die and sundering uh, really gives them that extra bite uh, combined with their you know already being so tough for five points. So it's one of those things to kind of look into. Um, Brett. Why don't you uh, kind of take us away with uh, um, uh, interviewing uh, for, next, uh, for our other guest. Joe and Gavin. Yeah, sure. Um, yep. So I guess let's start with you, Joe. You came in third place. Uh, definitely a really strong outing, uh, particularly with you saying you haven't been to a lot of tournaments. And seems like maybe outside of you and Gavin, you don't play a lot of games, and there was definitely some uh, some strong competition there. So uh, 
kudos to you on that. Um, so let's just kind of go into it with uh, which lists you selected and if you want to do something similar to what Murray did there and just kind of give us maybe some highlights, uh, who you played against, what made you choose the list that you chose, and uh, any strong performers in those lists that you recommend people give a try. I know your uh, your Rob list, I was actually just talking about it today. Um, I'll let you explain it, but I really like the, the three – uh, zone denials that you have in that list. It's really, really scary. So if you want to kind of, yeah, just basically similar to what Murray did, give us a recap and uh, what your thought process was. Okay. Uh, well, for my two, I had two lists, but I only used one of them. Um, and I'll explain why I did that uh, in a minute. I'll just kind of read through. My Rob list, I used this for all four games. Um, I had Sworn Swords with Rob as my commander. Gray Winds. Uh, Stark Bowman with Rickon and Osha. Uh, Stark Outriders, uh, Tully Cavaliers, and Shaggy Dog. So, uh, and then my three NCUs were Walder Frey, Lord Varys, and Sansa Stark. And the uh, the idea, as you mentioned, um, I got a little advice from Brett uh, on on my list. Um, the well, my second list that I, I actually didn't use, but I really liked it. Um, but I just I used it once in, in a practice game, but I didn't use it at the tournament. Now, with the, the first list, the idea was I wanted to control engagements. And I, I figured with Rob's cards and two, uh, two cavalry, and then the bowman that can shoot long range and over anything, that, that kind of gives me a lot of zone control. And I figured um, just if, if I'm playing an aggressive player, well, then I'll get some hits on them first or, or you know, let them overextend. Um, and if I was playing somebody that was more passive, well, then I could kind of move up slowly on them and, and just decide when I want to engage. So that was, that was kind of the idea behind that list. Uh, Walder Frey, for obvious reasons, I, I think he's uh, great. Um, I always find him very frustrating to play against. And a lot of times when I build my list um, against Gavin, if I, if I know he's using Walder Frey or if I think he's going to use them, then I'll kind of build a list that, I don't mind getting canceled too much. So I don't want to put a lot of attachments on. I don't want to use things that rely on a lot of abilities. Now, as far as my second list goes, uh, this is one that Brett gave me help with, and this is a really cool list. Um, I, I did use it as a practice game, but I never used it in a tournament. And um, the main reason why I didn't use the list was because I had a lot more experience with the Rob list. And with just my comfort level of the tournament, um, I, I just felt like I was, I was getting better as the day went on, and I really felt comfortable with the Rob list, and I kind of I, I was I was really hitting my stride with it, so I stayed with it. But my second list was uh, the other Brendan list. Uh, so it was, it was Sworn Swords with uh, Brendan Tully, uh, Berserkers with Rickon and Osha, Shaggy Dog, another Berserkers naked, and Tully Cavaliers, and then. My non-combat units were uh, Tycho, Eddard, and Sansa. And the idea was that that's a really good morale list. I think that the Cavaliers would be the, the worst morale at five. And if they're, if they're giving off their aura to the other ones, then you're looking at um, a three morale for the other three units. And so uh, the idea was that th there's some armor breakers in there. If I had to fight Lannisters or Baratheons that are 
going to um, use their panic list, then I would be ready for that, and I'd be able to break their armor. I did not play Baratheon or Lannister. Um, and then my last game was against uh, Bill's neutrals, and I just decided that um, I really wanted to zone control against them. I figured I'd be fighting a lot of cutthroats, so I didn't really need the armor breakers, and that's why I went with the the other, uh, my first list. So um, my first round, I played uh, Chris Tran, and he was awesome. Uh, I mean, everybody I played, everybody there was, was great. It was really, it's a really great community, and it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and Chris uh, was, uh, he, he taught me a few things. It was a mirror match. He used Howland, so it wasn't a great matchup for me um, with another Stark list. Uh, it was that we were playing the Here We Stand, and he just kind of got up on me early, and I, I, I had units off the board because you, you get to respawn them, but um, it really helps to kill units in that mode because then they, don't, they can't use them to grab a zone. And um, my, he uses Varys, like, real early in the game, um, right off the bat, and probably burned his, his four tokens, I would say, in the first two rounds, maybe, maybe one in the third, whereas I kind of held on to mine thinking I'll wait for the right time. And that was a lesson learned for me, is that use them right away. Don't, it, this is a game where you get some momentum and you can really take advantage of it, especially in that scenario where – having more units gives you more points to grab zones. And so, um, like I said, I learned something from him. Uh, he was a great player, and, and we I, I ended up coming back a little bit at the end, but it just wasn't enough. It was too little, too late, and um, he just had he had too much of a leg up on me on that one. So uh, I, I lost my first match, and like I said, I, I learned a lot from it. Then my second match was against Andrew from Buffalo, and he was using Free Folk, and it was the first time I'd ever played Free Folk, so I was kind of excited about that. And I drew my cards, and I had really, like, the perfect set of cards. And the scenario was uh, Dance with Dragon. So I had, I had some great cards to begin. I, I couldn't tell you exactly what they were, but they were some of the, the movement stuff that Rob likes. And I was able to grab two of the tokens right off the bat. Um, and then... Andrew sent up a giant up the flank. It would have been my left side, his right side, to grab a token. And uh, what I've learned from playing this game is you get units like the Great Axes where the best thing you can do is just stay away from them. And uh, Gavin and I have kind of talked about that strategy before. When you see a unit like that, you just kind of stay away from them. And so I said, all right, well, if he's going to take the flank, uh, and I, I had my cavalry, my, my cavaliers across from them, the, the Tullys, and I basically just bailed out. I just kind of sent him over to the middle of the map. And he stayed on that token with his giant while I got points on the other ones and really just picked apart his army. Um, I wildered his trappers, and I just kind of uh, was able to just charge through everything. So um, Andrew's a real nice guy, uh, but really, like, the game couldn't have gone better for me. Everything went my way. Barry's hit uh, all four of his tokens and... It was it was just a good round for me. Uh, then I played Dakota uh, from Rome, if you got him. Uh, another real nice guy. This was another mirror match for me. Uh, he did Eddard, who's uh, probably my other favorite commander. He probably is my favorite commander. Um, but I, I just I didn't want to take him to the tournament because I knew there would be a lot of good players there. 
And to me, uh, Ned Stark is kind of easy to play against if if you know what you're doing and if you're a good player. And so I didn't want to take him, but um, he brought him. So props to him. It was uh, it was fire and blood, and it literally was a bloodbath. Um, it was it was probably the funnest game of the day. We were both saying. His first kill was, I think, the beginning of the second round, and it was my archers, and he got five points from them. So that was the first kill of the game. I said, oh, man, I'm down five points. But he kind of overcommitted to do it. And so I was able to kind of eat up his uh, Eddard unit, and I knew once I could take him down that I I would be in a much better spot. And then I also used my outriders. My, my outriders were really my MVP of the tournament. And what they did is they charged up on his Tully Cav and just kind of stayed in his face and didn't let him get a good charge off. And if if you can get an outrider against a Tully Cav engaged, well, the outriders are actually a better unit at that point. Um, and especially if you can get the, the Sundering card, I think it's Northern Fury maybe or something. Um, but it's, uh, uh, what is it? Gavin said his northern ferocity. Uh, so, anyway, that gives you sundering, and so I was able to get through his armor. And like I said, I just kind of stayed on him, and it was it was uh, it was a pretty close game. A lot of units were destroyed, and it was just a ton of fun. That's probably my favorite scenario. Um, and it was he was a great guy to play in it, and it was seeing two Stark armies just uh, destroy each other was kind of fun. And then my last game was uh, Feast for Crows against Bill with his neutrals. And so when I saw that, I said, okay, well, this is a chance for my my Blackfish army. But the reason I didn't go with that is I was pretty sure that he was going to use his Walder. So I wanted my Varys in there. Um, I also knew that he had some soft units. And so I wanted to use my, my zone denial, my charges to really uh, – I figured if I could take out his cutthroats right away, then I would be in a good spot. Um, when – I think that this game, though, I kind of won it with deployment. What I did is I put my Rob Stark on the right flank as if I was going to go for the corpse pile and the token. And so he put his flame men over there. And what I did is I, I moved up with Rob real slow, like I was just kind of being careful. I let his flame men get the token, and then I just kind of stayed out of range and got ready for the charge, and then I could use his uh, the Rob Captain's order to give him a disorderly charge. He was happy sitting on the token until he realized that on the other side of the map that I was taking it to him pretty good. Um, I and, and Bill, was he's an amazing player. I've never seen neutrals played the way that he did. He used his cards great. He kept track. He's, he's keeping track of what cards were still on his deck. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anybody do that before, and that was really cool. Um, and, and he just, I mean, he really, in my mind, he, he pretty much played a perfect game. Um, but just like I said, I, I had his Flayed Men kind of on the one side, um, and he I think he killed off one of my wolves. And so I, I grabbed one token with my Outriders right at, right from the beginning of the game, and I grabbed the other token with my Tully Cav. Killed off, I believe, both of his uh, Cutthroats. So I had, I had a point advantage, and I had the, um, I had the, the two tokens. There's, there's three tokens the entire game. I had two of them. And so 
suddenly he realized I can't just sit on this token with my flayed men because his black iron just weren't going to be able to take me out quick enough. Um, and so that's when he decided to charge Rob. Eventually he got through Rob and he got to the other side of the map. And um, by then it was, it was too late. I'd gotten to 10 points. It was a really close game, but I just kind of outpointed him towards the end. And I think the, the victory points were 10 to five, but it really was, it was really close. Um, it just, and, and he, he had killed off more of my units by the end of the game, but um, I just had outpointed him. Um, and in that game, uh, Varys failed all four of his tokens, uh, so that, that wasn't very helpful. Um, but I made, I think, every single panic test that game, which a Feast for Crows against, uh, I think he was a, he's a, a roost list, Feast for Crows, and, um, you know, a lot of, a, a lot of uh, negatives to my morale test. So that's where I got really lucky. My attacks weren't good. My virus wasn't good. But I stayed alive, and that's that's kind of what won me that game. Yeah, I mean, in that in that scenario in particular, because when you when you fail a panic test, you lose control of the token. Um, and if you fail while you're engaged with an enemy, you pass the token to them. So, depending on if it's a commander, it can end up being a two-point swing, a three-point swing, or a four-point swing. If your commander drops it to his commander, you're denied two, he gains two, so it's a four-point swing. It's pretty massive. Um, playing, in particular, against a neutrals list that has all of that vicious, um, I'm, a, I'm a little bit surprised you didn't go with the blackfish just for the resiliency, but it, it sounds like you made the right choice. Um, the activation advantage can never be overstated in this game, um, and, and you're robbed bringing nine activations to the table, even against the eight from the neutrals, it, it can be pretty big. Um, so it, it sounds like you played it the right way. Again, you know, I know Bill's a phenomenal player, so I'm sure he gave you everything that you could handle uh, trying to bring you down and just using that neutrals deck to his advantage. But uh, I think in the end, uh, the activations end up being what matters a lot and then passing panic tests and just the fact that it, it sounds like you played a pretty good game. You had a pretty good strategy and you stuck to that. And that can be another thing that's huge in just in this game in general is a lot of times you see people, they go into a game and like they have a game plan and they have a strategy. And if you rattle their cage a little bit, they kind of try to reverse course on that strategy, but that's often like a, a game losing thing. Like if you, if you got what you're doing, even if it has a little bit of a hiccup, um, it can it can often work out to your advantage to just stick to what you know works and and have faith in what what works for you and and not try to just make those overextending plays and, and those desperate plays. A lot of times, the, the player with the most patience and the player who just drives through it is the player that wins. So uh, uh, the term is is tilted. You know, you hear that term a lot. You get your player kind of, you do something and it, they don't expect it and things start to go against what they want to do. And then sometimes players just overcompensate and start to play bad. So it sounds like you didn't do that and, and you stuck to the plan. And so that's, that's generally the, the thing to do to live through those types of situations. So very good on you. Um, again, yes, very, very strong competition at this event, very strong players. And, uh, 
you did a really nice job. So pretty impressive. Um, so Brett, I guess we Brett, can move on to Gavin now really quick. If you want to just uh, give us. Sorry, just uh, we have a quick caller, uh, a surprise guest, uh, I, w- I would say. We have on Chris from Sunday Slaughter who wanted to uh, uh, <laughs> say something to Brett. Bolton Skin Care. What's going on, buddy? So I told Dave that I was just going to hop off and congratulate you on your, your first place win, but uh, that was just a ruse because I'm, I'm just here to razz you because, uh, you know, I should have won that match that I played against you. Just saying. No, I totally agree. <laughs> I, I, have openly, I have openly admitted that uh, that flank charge into John should have been the icing on the cake, but uh, – John decided not today, bro. Uh, five out of ten, five out of ten, five up. Uh, you had me. I, I'm, I don't even pretend like you didn't. This dude had cruel methods three times in this game, uh, two of which were Bowman with Cranigman Warden. <laughs> this, or no, it wasn't. It was Bowman with Cranigman Warden, Outriders, and Berserkers, right? But yeah, yeah, and Rampkin's Bo- one sword. <clears throat> The bowman with the warden into the into the trackers was devastating. Like, it was two shots in a row, eight attack dice with re-rolls. I don't know how they lived through that. Would they live with two wounds? I mean, I did play Shield of the Realms of Men, but that was a small miracle in and of itself. But, no, you, you and Bob gave me everything that I could handle. And, yeah, I came out of it by the skin of my teeth. Our game was particularly close. Um yeah, I think I think the reality of it is you had probably seven or eight paths to victory and they just didn't work out. I had like two. Like John lives through this and I kill your commander. John lives through the impossible odds of a flank charge from from eight dice sworn brothers. Now let's not let's 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 pause for a second. Let's talk about a really clutch moment. You charge into the cutthroat or into my conscripts with sudden charge. Uh, caught me sleeping on that one. <laughs> and then, but you rolled a three for Stark Fury. And then when you activated Ramsey, this was like an underplayed huge thing. Re yeah. died. <laughs> so you lost two attack dice from rolling a three for Stark Fury and from killing Re. That right there, like, you, you, you say what you want about the, the defensive dice. Sometimes those things happen. That little itty-bitty string of bad luck right there is probably the clincher. Because if you come in there with 10 attack dice and Stark Fury, there's no way John survives. There's no way that I'm, I'm rolling, you know, 6 or 7, 5 up out of 12. Okay, or 11 I'm, or 12. I'm going to... I'm going to stop you right there because you're just going to cause flashbacks, and I'm, I'm going to lose even more sleep this week. So, but <laughs> the reason I called is, you know, I, I, I still want to congratulate you, uh, and not only you, but but Murray and, and Joe. I didn't get to play against Murray, but I, I you know, I've met him in Indy and uh, uh, this event as well, and he's an awesome dude, and you know, Joe as well. Like you guys deserve to be in the top three. So. Um, congrats to you three. I'll hop off so you guys can wrap up, but I just want to say hey and uh, some congratulations. So, no, we we love having you on, Chris. Chris Tran, Sunday Slaughter, uh, a Song of Ice and Fire celebrity, dope battle report, and <laughs> I, I I've been singing the gamers' haven praises. I've been telling people, 
So if you run if you run into Bolton Skincare or Lord Commander Bob or Wildcard Carl or um, Dakota, what's what's his handle? This is Dakota, I think, or Captain Co. Maybe. Oh. Like <laughs> Captain Cove, that's him. That's him, Captain yeah. Cove. Yeah, you better be. You, you bring your A game, no matter no matter what the stat site says. The they're very very strong players. So a warning to the community: don't let Bolton Skincare sneak up on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I'm gonna hop off, but uh, all right, you guys. Um, I'll talk to you guys later. All right, see you, buddy. <laughs> see ya. Okay, so are you ready, Gavin, to go over your list choices and uh, who you faced and uh, some of the super key moments from those games? You definitely have to tell tell how close your game with Chris was, but you saved that for the end. It's a heartbreaker. Okay. Um, Both my armies are almost the exact same. My veterans... So my first army was with Jon Snow on veterans. And then I had Ghost, Ranger Trackers, Ranger Trackers, Conscripts, Conscripts. And my second army is, oh, and then um, MCUs, I had Corrin, Donald Noy, and Bowen Marsh. So then my second army is almost the exact same. On veterans, I have Attachment Jon Snow. And everything's pretty much the same. Conscripts with a watch captain because I have an extra point because instead of Bowen Marsh, I have Ortho Yorwick. So my first game went pretty well. I most I did it was a pretty close game. I won by I think a point. And I I just pretty much won by zone control, and then we we ran out of time, and we had to move on to our next game. So at the end, I ended up having enough points to win by one point. So that was a really close game, and I enjoyed it a lot. I was playing against the Stark Army, and since that was here we stand, and you need at least five-point units to hold zones, I used my five-point conscripts because they have a watch captain. So that's the only one I actually ever used my ortho list. My second game was against Adam, which was a pretty, he was a really, really good free folk player. And I ended up getting pretty, and it was okay close, but I think we, we ran out of time, and um, he kind of had me cornered and pretty much just picked up the objectives, ran away, and then put his um, raiders in front of his um, bone chosen, I believe. Bone was chosen. So... He he basically got away with the objectives and he played it pretty well. And I think the biggest weakness in that game was I ended up not trying to stay away from the giant, which was in the exact middle of the board, which kind of costed me a lot of time and points. So I think that was pretty much my biggest flaw. The next game went pretty well. I did something for the very first time and I just packed everything in a corner. 
see how that went because it was, I was going against a pretty familiar army. I was uh, going against Jeff, and I believe he won best pain. His army was really cool. It was um, a House Clegane army, and so I had a crushing victory against Jeff. I believe I tabled him, and it went. It was really close, and I think the this was the only game where I actually used corn half hand. And I used it on the Knights of Castle Rock, which I know how deadly they are because I do play a lot of Lannister. So that I knew what to do there, and that was a pretty pretty good game for me. But I think a lot I the me being able to move my guys here and there was pretty lucky. I think that was just a lucky how it worked out and what cards I got. So my last game, which is a really close game, I played against Chris. Chris was a, gave me a great game. And I ended up getting tabled just barely. Um, it came down to my conscripts and the panic check, which, you know, like all I needed to roll was a nine. So didn't, it didn't go very well. But, um, yeah, it was really close. Only two got, two people left on the board. And yeah, that was that that was my very first time against Baratheons. So it was interesting. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a really close match and the NCU that he used, um uh what's its name? Uh Melisandra. Um she was really, really good. Um a little bit broken, but I think it was such a great pick, and I think that's probably, like, if you don't have that in your army, that's a little bit of a waste, but I think that's probably a go-to MCU, and I think that that MCU is just such a big game-changer. And uh, I would just like to add, uh, I thought everybody was great with Gavin. Um, you know, everybody was, he, as he was obviously the youngest one there, uh, competitively, I wasn't worried about him, but um, just, you know, in terms of, of how welcoming everybody would be, and, and they were really great. Uh, special shout-out to, to uh, Jeff. I think he was uh, the shield wall gaming guy. Uh, he had this amazing painted army, and if he provides products, anything like his paint jobs, then, uh, you know, we'll be ordering a lot from him. He was, he was really awesome, and uh, he was great. I got to watch. That was the only time I got to watch Gavin play a little bit as I caught uh, the end of their game. And, uh, he seemed like a really nice guy, and, and uh, his army looked great. Yeah, again, I think I think the community is great. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of knew um, going into it, just because I know most of these guys, that that everybody would be friendly and receptive to him. So I'm glad that that translated to what actually happened. Um, I wasn't really worried about it, but <laughs> definitely um, it's different. It's not something you see a lot. So um, someone as young as him playing and playing at a competitive level is, is really impressive. And uh, actually, honestly, um, Chris Bloom is a strong player. So he's the gentleman that I played at our um, – substitute Gen Con event on the top table. So he is not unfamiliar with, with tournaments and, and winning big games and, and getting in the position to win those games. 
played him that closely, particularly when it's your first time playing Baratheon, is really impressive because their tactics deck, if you don't know what you're getting into, it's one of those massive, like, gotcha tactics deck. Like, like if you don't anticipate the counter charges, if you don't see, you know, the letter and Stag's Resilience coming, that army can really just take you apart. So I don't know if you did any homework on them or just you intuitively saw some of their triggers and saw how things were being set up. Either way, it's really impressive, um, particularly with Relore Faithful and their Vicious and uh, Red Priestesses and every single one uh, causing Vulnerable and Panic. And the fact that you were able to come out of that game um, as healthy as you did is pretty impressive. So giving you uh, a plenty of plenty of props on that because they are not an easy army to tackle and certainly not when it's your first time playing them. So very nice job on that, Gavin. Thank you. So I guess that leaves me, right? And then I'm going to, I'm going to make this as quick as possible. (laughs) Is that right, Dave? Yeah. Okay. So the first round, I drew Calvin and his Lannisters. It was Here We Stand. Um, I, got a, I got an early lead in that one very quickly. Um, I baited out the Knights of Castle Rock, and then I allowed for his crossbows to make a ranged attack. Uh, it's not something that I ever want to do, you know, getting shot by crossbows, but I fed him a unit that I didn't really overly mind uh, being shot because it triggered my Watcher on the Wall. And at that point, I sent Lord Snow's Sworn Brothers into the Knights of Castle Rock. And this happened relatively early because in this scenario, you start so closely. But with precision enhancement on Lord Snow, 10 attack dice, critical blows, thundering, it's just devastating. I landed three sixes out of those 10 dice and then seven more hits. So I hit with everything. And on top of that, three of them were sixes. So at that point, I was in his flank. So he was saving on five and they were vulnerable from the trackers. So as I recall, I think I I think I think charged his knights with my trackers to pin them in place and then let the bow shoot me to set up that watcher play. So he was down his knights of Castle Rock very early. Uh, it was either round two, possibly even round one, that that happened. So it was it's pretty hard to come back from that as a Lannister player. Of course, they redeploy, but they come on activated. So I was able to pin them down again for the rest of the game with the mobility of the tracker. So it's pretty tough comeback. And then in the battle of the bows, um, I just can't overstate how powerful Oppel's cards are with builder crossbowmen. So in the battle of the bowmen, I'm not overly worried about his bows, even if they get a jump on me, because they have to kill the, the bowmen down to four guys before they lose attack dice uh, with Corrin half hand in the mix and Oppel giving you critical blow and sundering or, yeah, Critical Blow and Sundering, they already have Sundering, but the Critical Blows and the rerolls is what you're after with Awful. So with Corn Halfhand, you get eight shots with uh, Builder Crossbowmen, and with rerolls and Critical Blows, they're literally exactly the same thing as the unit of Sworn Brothers charging you. That is devastating. Uh, additionally, they can't be disordered, so you don't ever have to worry about that. So you're getting eight attack dice, hitting on threes with rerolls and crits and Sundering. It's just devastating. That unit of Bowmen... I like that unit to bring down any ranged unit in the game. If we're coming up and attacking each other, that's fine. Because even if you get the first shot, I could shield of the realms of men and mitigate that damage. 
And then even if I've got five guys shooting into you, it's the same number of dice, and I've got a very good chance to one-shot you with one volley from those crossbows. So that's what ended up happening in that game. Um, the Battle of the Archers was won by me. And then at the very end of the game, I had to use Corrin Halfhand because he had warrior sons that had made their way into my flank. The game was pretty tight, um, even under those, even under, even with him losing the knights early and everything else that happened, the game was really close. So I had to Corrin and freeze the warrior sons, and that, that pretty much sealed the game on that one. So then the next match was a Jon Snow mirror match. I almost chose Othel in this match again. Uh, this was Dance with Dragons because I had a feeling he was going to run the Jon Snow veteran. Um, he was actually running my old variation of my Jon Snow list, the one that has two veterans of the watch. Uh, vets with John, Vets by themselves, Ranger Trackers, Sworn Brothers, and then uh, Amon, Donald Noy, and Craster. It's just a really tough list. If you aren't bringing panic damage, um, you, it's, it's almost impossible to break through that list, um, at least in a meaningful way. Uh, the reason I stopped running that variation is because the panic meta is so strong right now that that's exactly what happens. They would just bring the veterans down with panic. But as far as playing against aggressive armies who don't have vicious, they just can't get through it. They just can't get through it. With Donald Noy and Amon, even if you charge with totally cab and get 14 hits, the with Donald Noy pushing it back to three, you're not going to be able to push through those veterans. And then Amon's ability to heal them back up, John's cards healing them back up. The, I, I firmly believe the only way to get through that list is with auto wounds or severe panic damage. So playing that game, I didn't like it. I didn't like my chances for my John Snow list to take his John list, but I took the risk. Um, but because Corn Halfhand is the difference maker there as well. Because if he doesn't have for the watch and he doesn't claim the maneuver zone, my John can get to the token before his John. Then it's pretty difficult to, um, to get the token back because the veterans don't have any, any way of doing panic damage. So I ended up going and picking up the token. I shut off Amon. And then from there, I let his veterans on the opposite side pick up the token, and then I just left them alone. Um, I didn't even approach them, didn't attack them, just let them slowly move forward. And then I took my six combat units against his four on the other side of the board. And I was able to get some really clutch uh, two attacks in on John. And I shut him off with Walder to stop the healing and to stop counterattacks because counterattacks will erode Sworn Brothers, uh, particularly when Donald Noy is in the mix and you can't spend vulnerable tokens on them. So I had to shut off John for at least two or three rounds until I was finally able to bring him down. And then from there, I just had to kind of deal with the Sworn Brothers. So um, next round was Chris, Chris Tran. I gave you a little preview of that. Basically, Ramsey Stark for aggressive list, um, eight activations. But again, Walder is a difference maker. That's why I chose the John list, uh, because it has Walder Frey. Starks actually have no way to stop the Walder Frey one-turn, two-turn kill, where, whereas uh, Night's Watch with Ghost, if you wait to put Amon or Craster down and they don't have Varus, they can't stop you from healing a wound off of Ghost. Starks, on the other hand, if you cover up the money bag with Walder, they don't have any way to heal the token. Uh, if they had Eddard, I guess they could make a charge. But if you're out of their charge range, they don't have they don't have a way to heal. So that's a big deal. When I was able to kill Summer and swing the activation nine to seven, 
in my favor, but then I got a kill on his bowman with another uh, watcher on the wall. This time I played for the watch on John simply to get the seven inch maneuver because I had to cross into his lines to kill the bowman. I didn't want John to be stranded and I kind of measured it out and I had to have the seven inches to get, to make it to where his outriders couldn't flank John. So I played for the watch, killed the bowman and then retreated seven inches back to my sideline. And then he uh, started bringing his um, berserkers with Brain and Hodor towards me. He blew up my ranger trackers. So at that point, uh, it was both of us down a ranged unit. And I was starting to feel pretty uncomfortable because those ranger trackers are really important. I wanted to get them into combat with his outriders and kind of corral them in. Um, but it didn't work. He swift advanced and blew them off the table. So at that point, I had no choice but to kill half-hand. And I actually froze his berserkers, or not, or his outriders, so that I could attack them with John, and they couldn't retreat. And I, I, I extended and made a really kind of ballsy play. I took Ghost, and he surged his berserkers forth behind my line. Well, my sworn brothers hadn't activated, but I didn't have a watcher on the wall to turn them around, and the maneuver zone was uh, taken, or it wasn't taken. My NCUs were on the board, so I couldn't maneuver them and turn them around. So I had to do something to engage those berserkers, and, and then my plan to kill half-hand would work. So I ran Ghost over stakes, played, now his watches ended, and then I was able to charge my Sworn Brothers into his berserkers behind my line. Kind of a play that's pretty unexpected, but it, it ended up being huge, because at that point, when I went first in the next round, I could take the swords and start working on these units, because the Outriders can't do anything, and I've got to kill the Berserkers. And then at that point, it's my two Sworn Brothers and two Conscripts versus Sworn Swords and Outriders that would presumably be almost dead. Two attacks from John's Sworn Brothers did not, did not take out the Outriders. So at the end of the round, Korn is dead. He's got the NCU advantage. And as I mentioned, he sudden charged, blew up the Conscripts, and then Ramsey's in my flank. So it was really dicey at the end. I managed to kill Ramsey. But it was 8-8, eight to eight, and he had Outriders that I can't catch, and he ended up having our Blazer Sharp. So he was one flank charge away from blowing up my conscripts that were marked, or even Jon Snow's Sworn Brothers who were pretty critically injured. So, or the other Sworn Brothers who were pretty critically injured. I don't think I would have survived it. So I went ahead and took the Hail Mary, put Walder onto the, onto the um, Outriders, did a wound, and then the panic test. I needed it to do four wounds, and it did four wounds. So I ended up taking the table at that point. It was really, really dicey. <laughs> so that's why Chris is giving me grief about it, because I didn't know that he had our blazer sharp, and we kind of rolled it up, and he surely would have killed those sworn brothers because of the extra two attack dice and the panic token. So pretty substantial, very close game. And then finally I played Bob. Um, I wanted to run John in... Um, Feast for Crows, but I saw that he had an awful list with a scorpion with awful attachments. Uh, my Jon Snow list is just not equipped to deal with that many shots from a scorpion. So I went ahead and picked awful because I knew that I had more combat drops than him, either list that he would choose. So I would have been able to put my crossbows in front of his scorpion. And I like the chances for my crossbows to get the jump on that scorpion and kill it. Um, then also his Alistair list had crossbows, 
And again, you know, even, even with Alistair's order to cancel a panic test, I just like the chances of Alistair's crossbows beating any ranged unit in the game. So I chose the author list. It's probably good that I did. He chose his Alistair list. Uh, it came down to half hand again. Uh, half hand was in both of my lists. So I used him all four games. I used his sacrifice in all four games. It's just huge. It's, it's amazing. His ability giving some units more attack early in the game and some, some speed is huge. And then his sacrifice ability late in the game is a game stealer. So I was able to get my bows in range of Alistair, and then I froze his bows with Corrin, and I was able to get two shots in a row off on Alistair's crossbows because I went first, so I took the swords. Uh, he did fail his Varus roll, which was <laughs> really bad. He failed three out of the four. The first one he passed, uh, which blocked me from drawing cards, but the other three, which were huge after that, he did fail, including the he attempted to stop Craster so that he could one turn, two turn with Walder, but he missed the zone. So I was able to heal ghost uh, pretty big. Um, that game came right down to the wire. Um, even after getting rid of Alistair, uh, his ghost uh, managed to wipe out my trackers with two attacks. Uh, both attacks hit from ghost both times. I failed both defensive saves both times. I crit failed both panic tests. So out of two attacks, Ghost can do a maximum of 12 wounds. He did 12 wounds. So my Outriders, my, uh, and it left his Rangers and his Ghost on the other side of the board unchecked. So it was pretty bad. I was really getting those Rangers in position to take Ghost out, but then Ghost just wrecked me. So, um, And then it kind of came down to my crossbows, my almost dead Rangers versus his almost dead Rangers and his conscripts, and my crossbows were completely out of position. I got a very lucky watcher on the wall late game. Uh, normally, I'm pretty unhappy if I don't draw that card early. It ended up being amazing that I drew both horns late in the game instead of early, and so I was able to pull watcher on the wall at a key moment, and I got my crossbows in range of his trackers. They were at nine wounds, and threatening my ranger trackers, who were down to three, I think, uh, they would have died. But my crossbows were able to shoot into their flank with serrated enhancement. The vicious didn't end up mattering because he didn't fail the panic test, but I hit six out of the seven shots, and he failed all six. So I dropped him down to almost death, and at that point I was able to overtake his rangers and win that game by a very narrow margin. It was 10 to 8, all things said. So... I think my game with Chris was 11 to 8, 10 to 8 against Bob. I don't think there was really any game except for the John Mirror match where John scoring two points the whole game is going to skew the result of that game. But uh, other than that, I think they were like two-point wins, two- and three-point wins. Very, very close games. So, again, stiff competition, a very strong club that they've got up there. And um, Night's Watch isn't – they're not underpowered by any means, but they're, they don't have super big advantages in, in the current meta. So uh, it was really good to see five players and good to see all five Night's Watch players do pretty well. So definitely encouraging for things that, that mix up the meta and, and let you see some different stuff.
That's awesome. And then I, you know, again, congratulations to all three of you guys, you know, first, second, and third, that's, you know, that's a pretty big deal uh, with, you know, 20 different players. <clears throat> I wish I could have been able to go. Uh, my ride you know, was um, unable to go at the last minute and uh, uh, it just so happened that very night after uh, dropping out uh, for that reason, I ended up getting sick. Fortunately, it is not, you know, the, the really nasty thing. Uh, went and got tested, and turns out it's just like a regular cold or something, but still better than, you know, spreading any of that around, you know, freaking people out. So, but maybe, uh, you know, the next event would be awesome to be able to go to uh, or even, you know, the next uh, Indianapolis, uh, event. So, uh, hopefully, you know, things start to kind of wind down and I'd love to have a big, uh, event out here for you guys to be able to come out this way. So we'll kind of see how it goes. Uh, but kind of what you were saying, Brett, about, uh, half hand, you know, that ability is, is definitely amazing. I still stand by that point for point half hand, uh, NCU is by far the best NCU in the game. Um, I obviously would say Mel is probably the best if you're just talking in general, but she's paying an extra point. I would say that half-hand at only four points is better than Mel at five. Just that ability to kill himself to shut off a unit, uh, you're basically getting a similar, you know, uh, somewhat similar effect as like Tywin, you know, because Tywin shutting off abilities and uh, putting all the tokens, uh, but, you know, half-hand, being able to influence all, you know, all game, and then at a clutch moment, you know, at the, you know, last round, especially in a tournament, you know what's going to be the last round probably, and you just, you sacrifice them for, to shut off some nine, you know, ten-point unit, or just some key unit that's about to do something, and it's just, it's like game over. And, uh, you know, definitely, in my opinion, the strongest NCU point for point. Um, I usually don't leave home without uh, without him when I'm running a Night's Watch list. So it's actually pretty funny that, you know, Amon used to be like a go-to. You just, you couldn't ever see yourself not running Amon. And I actually see, uh, I would say, it's like 50-50 when they're not even see them anymore just because of how good the other NCUs are for Night's Watch, you know, combined with the fact of all the really good uh, neutral NCUs. Um, but with that said, uh, you know, it sounds like you guys had an amazing time, and I am, you know, I'm a bit jealous. I would have loved to have been able to go run, you know, run my Blackfish list. Uh, I had a Rob list set up uh, that was... Robin Sworn Swords, two other Sworn Swords, and double Tully Cav. And then obviously my Blackfish list that I've mentioned a thousand times on here. Um, I definitely would have uh, loved to give it a go. Sounds like, you know, you guys had like an awesome group of players to, you know, test your skills with. A lot of really tough opponents and, uh, you know, hard, hard fought, uh, you know, to get where you guys got for first, second, and third. Um, with that said, we're going to go into our shout-outs. As always, guys, 
uh, if you have a local shop, uh, do your best to kind of, you know, see what you can do to help them out, uh, especially with everything going on. You never know. Um, they might be kind of hurting for business, especially if they're not allowed to open yet. Uh, try to contact them, see if they're doing delivery, or even just buy a gift card. You know, it's it's like a, an advance, you know, uh, an investment into them buying, you know, giving them money that you'll spend later once, you know, they kind of open up. Um, or if they are open up, just uh, see what you can do. Even if you're not really ready yet to kind of get out there, uh, you know, especially with uh, the flu season kind of coming around, um, you know, see if you can at least do like curbside pickup or, you know, have it delivered straight to your house. Uh, anything you can to help them, you know, through this time, because when everything does kind of die down, you definitely want to have a place to go back to, to, you know, get your games in. Um, for those that don't really have a local shop, uh, please consider Games Plus in Mount Prospect, uh, Illinois. They're an amazing shop. Uh, just recently, they helped us uh, to get a Baratheon starter to give away for free to a guy who had, uh, had his entire Baratheon faction stolen. Uh, amazing shop. So if you want to, you know, help out a shop in any way, definitely check them out online. They do deliver. Um, or you can, uh, you know, check out uh, Family Time Games in Indianapolis run by uh, Shane. Amazing, amazing store owner. Uh, does a lot for the community. So definitely uh, go check out those two shops uh, if you don't have something local near you and uh, you're kind of already buying online anyways. Um, also check out a song of ice and fire guild.com. It's where a bunch of us content creators all have uh, collaborated together to throw our content in one easy place to find us. Uh, on that site, you can kind of find a little bit of everything. You can find podcasts, you can find battle reports, articles, a bunch of different tools for army building, and uh, that's where you can also find a song of ice fire stats.com, another site that I highly recommend going to. Uh, if you don't know about it already, go there and make a profile. It takes only a second. And then anytime you play a game, you can submit your results to that site to add to the, you know, the data. And the more data we have, the more stronger, you know, the data becomes. And we can kind of figure out how strong things are playing, um, how how well certain commanders, factions are doing. And, uh, you know, if you want, you can even keep track of your own, like, personal, you know, how you're doing on a personal level, uh, you know, with your, like, win-loss win against certain factions and commanders. Uh, keeps track of all that stuff. Amazing place to go. And it only takes about 30 seconds, you know, to, you know, punch in a couple results. So uh, if you're running weekly or, sorry, probably not weekly, but monthly tournaments as locals, uh, you can definitely um, use that software as well to input your data there, uh, you know, for your tournament. The only thing uh, with that is make sure that everyone is already uh, has a profile and signed up. You want to kind of do it in advance so it's not kind of taking up way too much time. That's kind of what they did for this tournament, uh, Winter is Coming, in Ohio. Uh, everyone signed up preemptively on uh, Song of Ice Fire stats. That way they could submit all their results there, and that's how we actually have all the awesome data that we were able to provide today. Um, so if you kind of want to see how that all pans out, uh, definitely consider using them 
for your tournament software. Um, and then, uh, yeah, with that said, definitely check us out on Facebook. You can uh, like, share, and follow us uh, either on Facebook or Blog Talk Radio. You can find us on, obviously, uh, Song of Ice and Fire, as well as those that can't make our live show every Tuesday at 8 p.m. We are on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, if there's you know any other uh, uh, platform that we are not on that you would like to kind of see us on, go ahead and uh, suggest that to us. Uh, and we'd we'd love to mirror our uh, content onto there. You know, we're not really, you know, it's not a huge deal for us to get all of our views in one area. You know, whatever's kind of convenient to use, you know, we're more than glad to kind of try to help you out if it means uh, it'll help you listen to our show. Um, and you can also check us out on Discord. Uh, on Discord, we kind of mostly just talk about, uh, you know, show suggestions. You know, it's never a bad idea to have a huge... Uh, uh, list of potential shows that way we're never kind of rushing to do a last minute show um you know trying to just uh gather some random topic together because we don't you know we ran out of ideas uh because of you guys we actually are scheduled all the way through to like february uh and that's awesome to know that we don't have to like worry about you know uh, show topics, especially when we do the show every week. Uh, but we kind of, we switch shows around a bit. So ju- don't worry if you suggest a show and we think it's really good. We'll definitely, uh, move things around and probably get in there a bit quicker than, uh, you know, obviously March. So, uh, also if you're listening to this, uh, definitely try to check us out live. If you call in, we definitely like to try to get our callers, uh, our, uh, on to, uh, to ask questions, kind of like uh, Chris was tonight. I didn't even realize it was Chris until I uh, screened him and he said it was him. But, uh, you know, for the callers, there's always a chance that you can win uh, either a unit box, a sleeve of car, uh, card sleeves, um, you know, just by simply calling in uh, and uh, kind of asking a question either to the host or the guests. So definitely consider that. Um with that said, uh, thank you guys for coming on, you know, helping us uh, do the show. It was awesome to hear your insights on kind of your matchups and how things were kind of panning out and uh, how well you guys did, especially, uh, you know, a couple of you guys faced each other and sounds like, you know, you guys had a blast. Um, Brett, was there anything you kind of wanted to add at the end of there? Uh, no, honestly, I would just say um, check out Gamers Haven. Um, that's where this event was, uh, run by a very, very, very awesome gentleman. Um, it was a super big pleasure. I think, uh, Gavin Murray and, uh, Joe would agree. Very kind. He, he baked us a whole big old tray of cookies and everything. So, uh, it was great. Um, I'm sure that he, like other retails, has the ability to purchase things online. I did note that his A Song of Ice and Fire stuff was actually about 25% off of uh, current MSRP, just right off of his shelf. So if that's a little bit of a hindrance, he was selling unit boxes for 30 bucks, and the starters were 90 and I believe he had every starter box. So definitely go check them out. Give them a ring. Uh, I guarantee he'd be willing to ship to you. So um if you've got the opportunity to do that, do it because we are eternally grateful for what he did for us this weekend. 
Awesome. Yeah. And like I said, I, I wish I was able to go. Um, I talked with, uh, um, with a bunch of the guys over there trying to schedule, you know, uh, getting out there and they were definitely, you know, awesome and understanding guys. And, uh, I can't wait for the next event and try to make it to that one. Uh, hopefully, you know, things be a bit uh, easier and find a bunch more people to kind of carpool with because, uh, uh, it's not too bad of a drive. I think it's like six hours for me. So um, I'm used to more like eight, 12 hours for some of the other games I've played in the past. So uh, I definitely wouldn't mind trying to make it out there for the next one. Uh, again, thank you guys for coming on as our guests. Uh, you know, we appreciate uh, you guys taking the time. Um, you know, we can't really, it, it, it kind of gets uh, boring when you just kind of hear us you know the hosts talk over and over again week to week so we really appreciate all of our guests that come on um thank you so much guys and uh until next week uh same time as always 8 p.m uh every week we do the show live this is the small council and it is dismissed Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers.